Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 2, Episode 5, Whaladons. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, to get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome special guest artist Ava Varsagi. You should definitely make sure to check the show notes to links to Ava's final illustration, her coloring page, and other links to her artwork. One thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you are inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now let us begin Season 2, Episode 5 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights. Whaladons. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice, a dragon, her five children, and Tom and Talora, two humans from the city of Durga, set off on a quest to find Beatrice's stolen egg. After a long and perilous journey, the dragons learn that they are caught within a larger story involving the guild of the bone-eyed spider and a prophecy that predicts that the stolen egg may factor in either the salvation or the destruction of the world as we know it. Led by the fairy Carnelian, Beatrice, Tom, and three of her children set off to the island fortress of the Guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider in hopes that there they will find the missing egg. Well, Edwin, what do you think? You're finally here, said Beatrice, watching her daughter's face in amusement. Edwin's mouth hung open as she stared. I don't... I'm not sure I... It's just so... It's just so... much, she whispered finally. Is it like you pictured it when you ran away that time to find the whales? Asked Lyle, joining Edwin. No, it's... it's much better. I... I... I love it! Yippee! Edwin suddenly leapt into the air and started flying in low circles over the surface of the ocean, dipping her wingtips in and splashing great arcs of water around her. Lyle let out a happy roar and joined her, closely followed by Smudge, who barreled into the water instead of flying over it, trying to splash both his siblings as they swooped overhead. Beatrice stretched her wings and sat on the sand, watching her children. She had been thinking constantly of Asriel and Petra and wondering how they were doing. According to Carnelian's communication with Amethyst and Citrine, everyone was fine. They, too, had been traveling for the last few days. They were headed northeast, and soon they would be nearing the borders of Mordenson, the forest where the Arbor Fairies lived. She was trying to avoid asking Carnelian to check in too often. Carnelian had started making comments about hovering hummingbirds under their breath. Tom put down his pack and stretched, then opened the flap on top so Furball could peek out. Furball, who was now much bigger than he had been when they set out on their quest, twitched his nose and eyed the gulls circling overhead curiously. Beatrice looked at Tom. "'Have you been to the ocean before, Tom?' she asked. "'Once, when I was little,' answered Tom. "'I don't remember it that well, though. "'Just that I made a castle out of sand "'and then cried when the tide came in and washed it away. "'Oh, but then—' "'Beautiful memories, Tommy,' interrupted Carnelian. "'Truly, I shall treasure them always. "'Now, stop talking, please. "'Look, there.' "'Carnelian pointed a tiny finger straight out to sea. "'Olien, the island stronghold of the Guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider.' "'Wow!' said Tom, squinting. He could just make out a tiny speck on the horizon. What is that, like three miles? 
Oh, Tom Tom, yes, yes, three miles, exactly. You are just my little jack in the box, aren't you? So full of surprises. Okay, now, how far to that cliff over there? Oh, kidding, kidding. We don't have time for these fun, fun games. Someday, Tommy, someday. But for now, back to business. I would estimate at least an hour of flying to reach its shores. Lyle, Edwin, and Smudge bounded up from the edge of the water, soaked and beaming. I love the ocean! I love, 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 love it! yelled Edwin. What'd we miss? Is the fortress nearby? Are we going to go there now? asked Lyle, sticking a fish he'd caught in his mouth. Oh, lovable ladybugs! That is delicious! What is that? Mom, can we just fly for a bit? I want to soar. I want to feel the wind in my wings and the sea beneath me and the sky above. Maybe we'll see dolphins and sea turtles and whales. Oh, I hope we see whales. I hope, I hope. Beatrice looked at Carnelian. What kind of greeting might we receive when we get to the fortress? Carnelian considered. Hmm, let me think. If I stole a dragon egg that I supposed was a world-saving or world-ending weapon of some kind, then moved it to my island fortress three miles out to sea, and then called all of my guild members and followers to this fortress to keep it safe, how might I receive that dragon egg's mother when she comes to get it back? Hmm, what a difficult question you pose, Beatrice frowned. Yes, I get your point. "'Have you done lots of fortress visiting before, Diamond Wing?' Edwin asked. "'Oh, my dear Edwin, I have done lots of everything before.' "'Wow,' said Edwin. "'Well,' said Beatrice thoughtfully, "'we don't know what we don't know. "'I propose a scouting mission. "'Perhaps I can make a short trip to the fortress "'to get the measure of the situation and then report back.' "'Listen,' replied Carnelian, "'I wouldn't normally recommend putting your children in danger, "'but since that seems to be like your favorite thing, "'I might point out that there is little purpose in you going alone. "'You cannot hope to sneak up on the fortress, "'and if we all go, then we will see more and support you, if need be.' "'Oh, yeah, you're not leaving me behind,' exclaimed Lyle. "'Or me, Mom, I need to soar,' said Edwin, "'galloping in wide circles over the wet sand. "'All right,' "'We can all go,' said Beatrice reluctantly. "'But at the first sign of danger, we turn around and come directly back here. Understood?' "'Loud and clear,' said Edwin gleefully. "'Do you all have enough energy to fly for another few hours? "'It's been a long day already.' "'Lyle and Edwin sprung into the air to demonstrate their energy levels, "'but Smudge rolled onto his back and looked piteously up at his mother, moaning. "'Oh, are you tired, Smudgy? Do you need me to carry you?' "'Smudge nodded, trying to look as pathetic as possible.' Well, you didn't look very tired a minute ago, but you can ride. You've done such a good job flying these past few days. Smudge had mostly been flying on his own since they left the grasslands, taking occasional breaks on Beatrice's back. Tom had been riding Beatrice, except for when Lyle and Edwin demanded he take a turn on them. Beatrice had been discouraging this, however. Not only did it slow them down, but when they started fighting over whose turn it was to carry Tom, they forgot he was on their back, and once or twice Tom had nearly plummeted to his death. Carnelian had mostly been traveling curled up with Furball in Tom's pack, not because they couldn't keep up with Dragonflight, they were quick to inform the group, but because it was a good idea to conserve their strength, in case they encountered any enemies. And besides, they said, the purring was good for their wings. After Tom and Smudge were settled on her back, and Carnelian was settled on Tom's head, Beatrice looked at Edwin and Lyle. Follow me. She leapt into the air, spread her wings, and let the strong wind coming from the ocean lift her swiftly up and over the beach. Then she dipped her neck, sending her body forward in a long, low swoop, above the water and toward the fortress. Her draglings followed. Beatrice stared at the tiny dot on the horizon. 
It had been over a year since her egg had been stolen. Her egg? Her... her baby? In truth, she didn't know for sure which it would be. Dragons could freeze their development inside of their eggs if their circumstances changed dramatically. An egg without a mother or an egg removed from its nest could take years to hatch, or it could hatch normally. It was a choice that the baby dragon, nestled within the egg and somehow aware of the world outside its shell, had to make on their own. Inside that fortress, Beatrice might find her missing egg exactly as she last saw it. Or, or she might find a dragon. A dragon that could be every bit as large and developed as Smudge was. She hoped, she hoped for an egg. It terrified Beatrice to think what her baby's life might have been like away from her mother, how that might have shaped her. Her, Beatrice, felt certain. She hadn't allowed herself to dwell on the egg since it went missing, to muse on the many wonderful surprises that come with a new draggling, but now, staring at that tiny speck of an island, slowly getting bigger, the thoughts came tumbling out. She could be holding her egg, her draggling in her arms by this very evening. Her journey could be over, couldn't it? Then what? Then she would take her draglings back to her mountain and everything could be normal again. But what about Azrael and Petra and Shakatala and this dragon star business? What had this journey become? So much had changed. Perhaps nothing would be normal again. Or what if Carnelian was wrong and this fortress had nothing to do with her egg? It was just another dead end. Oh, please, thought Beatrice. Oh, please let her be there. Please let my baby be there. I'm coming for you. Hold tight, my baby. I'm coming. As they set out across the ocean, leaving the beach behind, Edwin flew close to her mother and Tom so she could speak to Carnelian, who was perched majestically atop Tom's head, gripping his hair in their hands like the reins to a great human steed. Somehow this made both Carnelian and Tom look somewhat intimidating and formidable. Hey parents! Yeah, you! Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Excuse me, Diamond Wing, what do you think this fortress is going to be like? Is it going to be big like the castle in Durga, or more like a house-type thing? How many creatures will be there, and will they be nice? I don't want to do any battles. I do not like them, even though I am very good at them. Also, do these creatures live there? What do they do all day? Do you think they have a leader? Carnelian stared calmly out at the rolling expanse of ocean that stretched ahead of them, their wings folded tightly against their body, and their red-brown hair streaming out in the breeze. Normally I don't like rapid-fire questions, little dragon, they said thoughtfully, but those are actually quite pertinent, and I'd have to answer you by saying, I do not know. You don't know the answer to any of them? Well, what is knowing, really? Well, it's when you... That was rhetorical. Oh, okay. 
Anyway, no, no, I do not know for sure. Whatever the fortress is, it's large. Not as large as the Stone of Durga, which was built by giants, as you must remember, since you saw it yourself, yes? Likely it's some kind of drab military affair, with lots of tall, brownish walls, minimal adornment, and lots and lots of little slits and hidey holes for lethal projectiles to be launched toward intruders. Are they nice? Good question. You know, I'm sure they are nice, really, if you get to know them, and you're on their side, which we aren't, but that doesn't mean we have to battle. If they're very nice, we may present our case to them, and they'll say, Oh, I'm sorry. This little egg just accidentally fell into our well-guarded fortress, and we were just keeping it safe until someone claimed it. Then they will kindly hand it back to us, and we'll be on our way. If not, we may have to try and take it from them, in which case... I don't think they'll be very nice at all. At least not to us. And I, for one, will be very glad that Furball is on our side, as kittens can be resourceful little devils in military affairs. As I have mentioned before, the creatures who comprise the Guild of the Bonide Spider are diverse. There will be fairies, of course, and humans, naturally. Humans just love to start little clubs and groups like this. I have heard of ponies being involved, and I suppose some kind of sea creature is always a possibility. If we're lucky, they do not have a leader, and it's just like one big fun sleepover. Otherwise, I'm sure they're very bored, and very ready to defend their little fort, because it's much more fun than staring at each other's faces all day. Wow, that is beautiful, breathed Edwin. What is? asked Tom. All of those different creatures just working together like that for something they believe in. That is just so, so special. I mean, they're just like us, aren't they? Dragons and kittens and fairies and humans and groundhog ponies all coming together to help mom find her egg. Will there be any dragons? Lyle wanted to know. As part of the Guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider, I mean. Very unlikely, Carnelian mused. Dragons are largely solitary creatures and they do not like being part of groups. That is not true, said Edwin. I love being part of groups. And businesses, of course. Don't forget the pony spa. Yes, well, you are very, very, very special. In time, you may learn to be as aloof, solitary, and aggressive as the rest of them. Well, thought Edwin out loud, not if I marry my one truest love, Moonbeam of the Rainbow Herd, and become a pony like Bob. Oh man, I really wanted to meet some other dragons, said Lyle. I've never met any other dragons before, other than my family and my dad. Or wait, he's part of my family. Or is he? You know, I, I feel like we never got a clear answer on that one. Edwin, Tom exclaimed suddenly, look down. Edwin followed his finger to the waves below, just in time to see a slim gray shape arc out of the water and fall back down. Then there was another and another, and Edwin squealed. <gasps> oh, are those Dolphins, are they, Tom? They sure are. I've never seen them before, but I know them from pictures. Oh my gosh, I love them. Can I keep one, Mom? For a little while. I know they need to live in water, so I could build it a pool for it to swim in, and every day I will brush it and... Edwin, you turtle tongue, they don't have hair, said Lyle, watching the dolphins frolicking below them. You don't need hair to like a good brushing elbow nose. But Beatrice wasn't listening. Carnelian, what is that? It's a dolphin, Mom. No, that. Beatrice pointed a talon to a dark shape moving below the waves ahead of them. She couldn't tell what it was, but it was definitely bigger than a dolphin. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is that a whale? shrieked Edwin. No, that is not a whale, said Carnelian. What is it then? asked Lyle. 
Before Carnelian could answer, the dark shape began to emerge from the water, lifting itself slowly, revealing a long, sinuous, serpentine body. As they all watched, the creature seemed to levitate, and great sheaths of skin spread out to either side of it, like... It has wings, said Edwin. She was right. The creature had a long, slender body, wings, and instead of legs, it had four flippers. Oh my gosh, what is it? Well, dear Lyle, it looks as if you are about to get your wish after all, said Carnelian. That is a Whaledon, otherwise known as a sea dragon. That's a dragon? asked Tom skeptically. Though there were certain similarities, the scales, the shape of the head, and of course the wings, it looked nothing like the mountain dragons. It was smaller and longer. It looked like a snake or an eel with wings and a dragon head. Oh my gosh, there's another one over there and another one! Edwin was right. More and more of the strange water dragons were emerging from the waves, expanding their wings, sheets of water streaming below them as they took flight. They're so pretty! Are they coming to say hello to us? Beatrice turned her head to look back toward the beach, then forward to the island's stronghold. They were about halfway there, but these sea dragons were right in their path. They didn't look very dangerous, but there were so many of them, and more kept emerging from the water. "'Everyone hold your positions!' yelled Beatrice. The dragons spread out their wings to glide in place, drifting on the strong drafts coming from the sea. The first of the Whaledons to emerge was getting closer, but it was still too far away for Beatrice to speak to. If these sea dragons were friendly to other dragons, then perhaps they would help, but if not, if they were in fact protecting the fortress, then what? My goodness, there were so many of them, and now that she noticed, they were fast. They were flying with the wind on their backs, and with their slight frames and sinuous bodies, they seemed to cut effortlessly through the sky. Beatrice realized that even if they turned around now, these whaledons would catch up to them. Her heart filled with dread. If they turned out to be friendly, they could sort that out later, but for now, the risk was too great. They had to get back to shore. Now. Turn around now! Fly! 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 Beatrice turned into the air, checked to make sure that Tom and Smudge were secure on her back, and began to streak toward shore. Lyle! Edwin! she called firmly. Reluctantly, they followed her, looking back over their shoulders at the Whaledons. Why are we running away from dragons? asked Lyle. Lyle, just fly, Carnelian said grimly. I can't let you die. Amethyst would literally never let me hear the end of it. But they seem nice, said Edwin. And anyway, they're smaller than us, and they only have those cute little flippers. How bad can they be? I believe we're about to find out, Edwin, said Carnelian. Even though Beatrice, Lyle, and Edwin were flying as fast as they could, the Whaledons were gaining on them. A few had caught up with the leader, creating a vicious-looking wedge formation. When Beatrice looked behind her, she could see their eyes, cold and hard, the blue-white of snow in shadow. "'I think they're going to catch up to us,' said Tom nervously. He tried to shift himself so that he could hold on to Beatrice with one hand, reaching for his bow with the other. Beatrice wanted to fly faster, but she looked at Lyle and Edwin. Despite their exuberance, she could tell they were tired, and she knew they couldn't go any faster than they were. She looked behind her again. "'Carnelian, they're almost here. What do we do?' Carnelian launched themselves off of Tom's head and shot into the sky like a bird. "'We fight!' they called, like so. As the Whaledons closed in, Carnelian arched their body backwards in mid-air, raising their arms and spreading their legs. Suddenly, they threw their limbs forward, and a transparent, shimmering force field seemed to appear from nowhere, as if they had conjured it out of thin air and then thrown it. The dragons and Tom stared in amazement as this force field crashed into the Whaledons at the head of the pack, making a sharp cracking sound as it connected with their bodies and sent them flying backwards. 
Oh no! Well, now they're gonna fight us! exclaimed Edwin in dismay. Lyle stopped flying to watch and almost fell into the water in shock. Blazing fire sticks! Wow, Carnelian, that was amazing! You just like, I mean, what the hey was that? Like a magic angry wall of destruction? That was so cool! As the Whaladons regrouped, Beatrice acted quickly. Lyle and Edwin, fly! Do you hear me? Don't get involved unless you have to. Tom, do you have your bow ready? Before anyone could answer her, Beatrice wheeled around to face the oncoming horde of Whaladons. Tom was scrambling to keep himself upright on Beatrice's back by gripping with his legs so that he could use his hands for his weapon. Smudge! he yelled, looking behind him at the baby dragon who was cowering on Beatrice's back, eyes wide. Can you hold me in place? Hold me so I don't fall! Smudge nodded and latched his teeth into the back of Tom's pack, digging into Beatrice's back with his talons. Then the Whaladons were upon them, making high, shrieking noises and baring their long, sharp teeth, which were curved and overlapped like a lanternfish. Beatrice let loose a stream of flame, but before it reached any of the creatures, several of them opened their mouths and shot forth jets of water so strong that they smothered her flames and then hit her square in the chest, hard. She gasped for air. Okay, they are not nice, not nice at all. Battle away, cried Edwin, who noticed that the Whaladons were gaining on her and Lyle as well. They can shoot water, Beatrice said, shaking her head to clear her eyes, like we breathe fire. Which I suggest you do now, shouted Carnelian from above, readying their body and sending another force field down upon the Whaladons. This one wasn't as strong as the first, and afterward, Carnelian flew down to Tom's head, breathing heavily. Fire, all together now! Beatrice called, and as one, she, Lyle, and Edwin sent jets of flame toward their foe. Tom ducked low against Beatrice's back, sliding despite Smudge's anchor and trying to loose arrows at the Whaladons. He couldn't tell if any met their mark, however. The activity was too thick around him. As Beatrice, Edwin, and Lyle shot streams of fire into the fray, the Whaladons met them with more jets of water. Though these didn't hurt the draglings, the force of it was enough to knock them out of their flight pattern or temporarily rob them of their vision. The Whaladons that had gotten burned cried out as if in pain and dove back into the water. For a moment, Beatrice thought that they might be able to drive them back using fire, but there were too many, and wherever her flame went, a stream of water shot forth from one of the Whaladons' mouths. Then, suddenly, a swarm of them set upon her all at once. She began to twist wildly, thrashing her tail and wings about, trying to knock them away, to get some distance, while also trying to keep Smudge and Tom on her back. She heard a large growl of pain from Smudge as one of the Whaladons bit him, then a screech of pain from the Whaladon as Smudge bit it back. Beatrice roared, curving her neck around to try to protect him. It was too much movement for Tom, and Smudge was no longer holding Tom in place by his pack. Tom began to slide off of Beatrice. He scrambled to get a better grip, but then received a full blast of water from one of the Whaladons. His hand slipped, and he could feel himself coming away from Beatrice's back. For a brief moment, he was in the air. Then he was dangling from the straps of his pack. He looked over his shoulder and saw that Smudge had caught him. He'd somehow hooked his talons around one of Tom's shoulder straps. But Beatrice was still moving wildly, and the Whaladons were crowding around. Smudge wouldn't be able to hold on to Tom. They would all fall, and poor Furball was still in the pack. Before he could think any more about it, Tom raised his arms up into the air, allowing the straps to slip off of him, and he fell hitting the surface of the ocean far below with a splash. Smudge, who was still gripping Tom's pack tightly in his talons, howled. Tom! shouted Beatrice. Carnelian, can you see him? Carnelian scanned the water below. Yes, he's there. He's swimming. Beatrice, keep fighting. We can't! 
gasped Beatrice, sending forth more flame and diving between Edwin and the force of a Waladon's jet of water. There are just too many! Mom! Lyle called. Help! One of the Waladons, not much bigger than Lyle himself, had latched itself onto Lyle's back and was pulling him downwards. Beatrice roared and threw herself at the Waladon, beating it off of Lyle before sending it below the waves with her flame. I cannot fight and protect them all at the same time, she growled, delivering a swipe at a Waladon who was getting too close. Carnelian, we must hold them off. Give the children time to fly. Agreed, replied Carnelian. Edwin! Lyle! yelled Beatrice. Make sure Smudge and Furball get back to the beach. Smudge, you have to fly. Jump! Now! Smudge leapt off of Beatrice and let his wings catch the strong wind. Mom, be careful! Be careful! Will you come back? Edwin cried. She will come back, said Carnelian, but right now she needs to be only a dragon, not also a mother. Come on, Smudge! shouted Edwin, and Lyle scooped Tom's pack from Smudge's talons so he could fly more easily. The three draglings flew hard toward the beach. Beatrice wheeled around to face the Waladons. There were still too many, but she would try. She had to give her children time to get to shore. Taking a deep breath and releasing the largest flame she could muster, Beatrice reached out to grab two Waladons in her talons. With a roar, she crashed them together and sent them flying, then spun in a circle to defend herself against the swarm closing in on all sides. Her long tail whipped through the tightly packed Waladons as if they were no more than grass, and with one well-timed stream of fire, she sent three at once into the waves below. As she slashed at another near her head, she felt several more latch onto her from behind. She roared in frustration and shook her body, furiously managing to dislodge them. Then she grabbed two and hurled them hard, straight towards an advancing pack, knocking them out of the sky like scattered marbles. There are just too many of them! They keep coming! Carnelian flew to Beatrice's head and grabbed onto her horns. Beatrice, I will fly in front of you, on my signal. Blast me with as much of your fire as you can manage, got it? Beatrice didn't understand. But I would destroy you. Beatrice, please, this is no time for your cute jokes. On my signal. Carnelian leapt off of Beatrice, flew only a few feet in front of Beatrice's face, extended their arms and legs into a star shape, and shouted, Now! Beatrice took a deep breath and sent forth the largest torrent of fire she could manage. The fire looked certain to incinerate the delicate frame and paper-thin wings of the small fairy, but it did not. The flames seemed to enter Carnelian's body, then exit, swirling around them, gathering, building, magnifying into a great ball of white-hot burning rage. At the center flew Carnelian, diamond wing of the crystal fairies. The orb was so hot and so bright that many of the Waladons retreated, diving into the safety of the water, but many more still came. Then the white-hot ball seemed to collapse directly into Carnelian, and for an instant the fairy glowed like the sun before the fire came shooting out of their arms and legs in terrifying jets of liquid flame. Carnelian swept the torrent toward the oncoming Waladons, and they barely had time to scatter before it hit them. In a matter of seconds, Carnelian had completely dispersed the front ranks of attacking Waladons. Those still approaching were further off now, so Beatrice and Carnelian, as well as the draglings, would have time to escape. The fire drained out of Carnelian, and as it did, they began to fall. Beatrice caught Carnelian, whipped around, and flew her hardest to get back to the beach. Lyle, Edwin, and Smudge had reached the shore. They could see Beatrice flying just a few minutes behind them. As they landed, Edwin turned to Lyle. Uh, did you see that? Lyle looked at Edwin with astonishment on his face. Uh, yeah, that was... I don't... Do you think Carnelian is okay? Did they just explode or... 
What was that? No, they didn't explode. Carnelian is really strong, said Edwin. And they care about us, said Lyle. They probably even love us, just like we love them, so they wouldn't explode without saying goodbye. Right, agreed Edwin. She noticed that the Whaledons were no longer following Beatrice and had retreated back into the water completely. Why aren't they following her? Well, thought Lyle, I mean, they did just have, like, liquid fire jets as hot as the sun shot at them, so... But, also, I think they're probably just guarding the fort, and now that we've left them alone and we're no longer a threat, I guess... Edwin looked impressed. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. The draglings watched as Beatrice finally reached the beach, swooped in and landed, looking fierce and energized. She immediately turned her gaze to her children. Are you all right? Are you all all right? Come here, let me see you. We're okay, Mom, but where's Carnelian? asked Edwin, looking around for the crystal fairy. They're here. They're safe. Beatrice opened her hand, and there was Carnelian, curled up in a little ball. Whatever they just did, I think it took everything they had. We need to let them rest. Wait, where's Tom? Edwin exclaimed, just now noticing Tom's pack on the ground where Lyle had set it when they landed. Smudge let out a sad howl and nuzzled against Edwin. What happened, Smudgy? He fell, said Lyle. I saw the whole thing. Actually, he almost fell, but Smudge caught him by his pack. Awesome catch, by the way, Smudgy. But then Tom let himself fall, I think to keep Smudge and Furball safe. He'll be okay, though. I mean, he's Tom. Oh my gosh, Furball! exclaimed Edwin as a small, whiskered nose peeked out from under the flap of Tom's pack. Are you okay? Furball clambered out and shook himself, sending a spray of water all over Carnelian, who began to wake up. I'm so glad none of you are hurt, Beatrice said softly, looking them all over. Well, I mean, you know, I definitely have some, like, battle wounds, but that's to be expected, right? Did you see that huge Whaledon attack me? It was just like, boom! And it attacked me so hard, and then I was all like, oh, no, you don't. And then I shot my fire at it. Oh, man. Oh, man, I cannot believe this. That was, like, my first battle. I just had my first battle. I can't believe it. Wow. Oh, wow. Second battle, corrected Edwin. Mom, we have to find Tom. He's just out there. What if those awful sea dragons got him? Edwin had scooped Furball up and was cuddling him worriedly in one hand. I'll go back out and look for him. I just wanted to make sure you were all right first. The sea dragons have gone back in the water. I think it should be safe if I return to find Tom. We're all right, Mom. Go find him, please. I don't like the look of those bites, Beatrice said, looking at Smudge's back. Carnelian, would you be able to heal my children? Yes, as soon as I've recovered. Not right now, of course. I have just done so much magic. It's been a while, and clearly I'm out of shape. Also, I'm not as powerful when I am away from my crystal caves. Shh, don't tell. Furball, I'd feel much better when I've had a bath. You'll take care of that, won't you? Beatrice bowed her head in Carnelian's direction. Thank you, thank you, for your strength, for everything. She glared sternly at her draglings. Stay here, she said, and abruptly wheeled around and leapt into the sky, soaring back out over the ocean. A few minutes passed while the draglings anxiously watched Beatrice comb over the water in large sweeping arcs, looking for Tom. Furball had Carnelian tucked between his paws and was giving the fairy a thorough bath with his rough tongue, which Carnelian seemed to be enjoying immensely. Mm, excellent exfoliation. Very nice. Oh, I hope she finds him. What if he's dead? Edwin started pacing along the beach, nervously scanning the water. He's not dead, said Carnelian. How do you know? asked Edwin. I can feel him. Oh, good. Can you tell us where he is? No, I'm not some kind of homing pigeon. Oh, okay. I can feel his energy. I would know if he stopped existing. 
Lyle was walking in circles, flapping his wings excitedly. Edwin, did you get in any good battle moves? I did. So there was this one whaledon. Oh man, it was like the size of mom. And it just came for me, you know? Like it was coming for me. And then I was all like, not today you don't. And I like blasted it with my fire. And it was all like, ow, 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 my eyes. Please don't hurt me, scary dragon. And I was like, well then don't make me, you know? Man. Then there was this one guy. He was like silvery green. It's kind of pretty, actually. And, and it was trying to like knock me out of the sky. And this other one came over and shot water at you, Edwin. And then you shot fire at it. And then it went into the water. And the green one was like, oh no, my friend. And it flew away to check on it or something. Like maybe because they were siblings or... Oh, oh man, that's kind of sad actually now that I think about it. Wow. Battle, you know. It's like really intense. Lyle, said Edwin, stamping her foot. How can you just be, like, talking about the battle when our friend is just out there somewhere and we don't know where he is or if he's okay? He's fine, Edwin. Jeez, Carnelian said he's fine. Well, maybe not fine, commented Carnelian, but alive. See, Edwin, he's alive. And anyway, come on, it's Tom. The last time he went missing, he showed up again in a giant bubble filled with like a hundred fairies and a unicorn and totally saved the day. He's probably out there right now, like tunneling into that fortress and knowing Tom will see him in the morning riding a whale onto shore with our brother or sister, like strapped to his back. Oh my gosh, you're right, exclaimed Edwin. Our brother or sister must totally be hatched now, or would it? Would it just stay an egg if mom wasn't, like, doing whatever she does on it? I don't know. I don't remember when I hatched, said Lyle, as Beatrice returned to the beach. I didn't see him, she said, breathing heavily, or any sign of him. And those wretched sea snakes were starting to surface again, so I flew back. I'll rest here a bit and then try again. It's okay, mom. He's alive, said Edwin. How do you know? asked Beatrice. Carnelian can feel him. Do they know where he is? No, mom, they're not a homing pigeon. I see. Well, that's very useful. Anyway, I'll rest here a moment and then I'll head out again. Mom? Yes, Lyle? Do you think his battles go, but that was like a pretty big one? Like for our first battle, at least, that was pretty intense, right? So when I tell Petra and Asriel about it, I can tell them it was a big one, right? Second battle, corrected Edwin again. We fought Dad, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that counts, right? I need some kind of battle counter, you know, like on my scales so everyone can see how many battles I've been in. Yes, Lyle, responded Beatrice. It was a big battle and you can tell Azrael and Petra that you all did so well. I am so sorry that you had to go through that. Beatrice looked down at Smudge who snuggled close to her. She carefully licked his wound as Lyle and Edwin stared out to sea. Furball had stopped cleaning Carnelian and was now curled around them, purring. Carnelian was dozing with a blissful smile on their face. Mom? Yes, Edwin? Do you think Smudgy's egg twin is hatched, or is it still just an egg? Beatrice looked surprised for a minute and then thoughtful. I don't know. I have tried not to think about that. But now, I don't know. It's up to her. I just... We just have to find her. Her? How do you know it's a her? Edwin asked. Oh, I don't know. It's just a sense I have. I can feel her. Like how Carnelian feels that Tom is alive? Maybe something like that. Actually, it's nothing like that, said Carnelian, draping Furball's tail around their shoulders like a scarf. Wow, Edwin said. Another sister. That would be so nice. What do you think her name is, Mom? 
Beatrice fixed her eyes on the tiny speck of the island on the horizon. Her name is Stella. I picked it out a long time ago before she and Smudge hatched. I feel it still in me that that is her name. Stella. Stella, breathed Edwin. Stella, said Beatrice softly. Hang in there, little one. I'm coming for you. again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for episode six, Mermaids, with returning special guest artist Daniel Pertiera. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication for us, and even though she's on her way to visit the fairies, she is still being very diligent with her work. If you are enjoying Bad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us and to Petra. You can also join us on Patreon or buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes, share your drawings or thoughts about the show, and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com slash badpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. Hi, everybody. So I would like to say hi first and welcome to Ava, who just created that lovely drawing that we saw. Um, well, first, Ava, I just have to have to know who is who is your friend? <laughs> this is my friend Goji. I put little dragon wings on them. They're not a huge fan, but they were they were my special helper in in making this art. Are they um, a bearded dragon? Yes, they are. So, Eva, it was so amazing watching this illustration come to life. Um, first of all, it looks like you were using markers. Is that what you were using? Yes, I was using Prismacolor markers. Okay. Yeah, so I don't work with markers a whole lot. So it was, like, really fun to do all the layering. I thought they would be appropriate because of, like, how you can kind of, like, see through the water and, like, get those really vibrant colors. Yeah. That work so well with a, a story like this. Yes, I think that one of my favorite things was seeing the shadow of the Whaladons underneath the water, mm. the one that was partially emerging. That was really cool. There was so much depth to that. Yeah, that was pretty fun, too, because I didn't really know how it would look until I actually did it. So mm. it was like the biggest surprise of the whole piece. And what do you what are your your favorite things normally to draw or illustrate? Um, I am particularly interested in natural science illustration. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of plants, a lot of animals. Um, most recently I've been doing a lot of insects. So I like to draw bugs a lot. So I have a microscope and what I'll do is I'll look at them under the microscope and draw them from that. Does anyone have any questions for Ava? Oliver? I really liked how at first I thought it was under the water, but then I realized it was above the water, and I saw the, how that whaledon was splashing out, and I really liked that. Oh, thanks. This is the forest that the arbor fairies are in. Oh, the forest. Ooh, that's awesome. Poppy, you want to say something? I thought, is, is that like smallest like green thing that kind of looks like the other dragon smudge? This one, that's a little whale dawn that's popping out of the water. I thought it was 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty tiny. That would have been exciting if Smudge went in the water during this battle, huh? Hank. Um, I, I want to show you my drawing, and um, and I want to ask you a question. If you're gonna have a type of dra- dragon, but first I'm gonna show you my double-sided draw- drawing. Whoa, that's awesome. Um, it's the fire and the water shooting. Um, shooting together. Um, with the Willadons. But I also made um the stronghold in the sun. Yeah, that sun is stunning. But also, I have a question. Um, are you gonna use earth dragons that shoot rocks out of their mouths? That would be a fun idea. So we have water, fire, and earth. Some elements. Lots of elements. Warren? Is that a real lizard on your shoulder? It is a real lizard. Yeah, they're crawling away right now. Oops. (laughs) Oh, they've jumped on my chair behind me. That's cool. I also think there should be earth dragons. Yeah. Maybe there should be air dragons, too. Mm. Ooh, and what would the air dragons breathe? Like, bursts of air? Uh, they, should breathe, they should breathe tornadoes. Ooh, yeah. Lily or Willow, did one of you have your hands up? I'm coloring this. Oh, yeah. I love that one. That's and fun. I'm coloring this one. Ooh, beautiful. Those are both of our um, Aaron Davis illustrations from season one. Thanks, Lily and Willow. Lucy and Abe, did you have your hands up at some point? Beatrice, but I have to put them back together. I have to put her back together. Oh, did she come apart a little bit? Yeah, she her legs came apart oh, off of her. Beatrice, come on. Maybe she was battling too hard. This is... <laughs> I made Smudge. Aw, Smudge. So cute. <laughs> I love that, Lucy. What is that smudge made out of? What are those blocks? They're plus plus puzzles. And this is what I made. Beatrice. And these are his her feet. And me <laughs> and this is <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. Thank you. I love those. Gracelyn, you haven't gotten a chance to say anything yet. Eva, the Willodons were really cool. Thanks. I have some I have some drawings that I want to share. So I made fur ball. So much good fur detail. Yeah. I'm good at drawing cats and stuff. And then I also made Kitty Girl. That looks so good. I love the color of the eyes. Alright, Poppy, thanks for being patient. I made this drawing. Yeah. Wow. Poppy, that's an ambitious one to color, isn't it? It's really there's a lot of detail there. I only got some of it done. You did great with that, though. I love that one. That's so fun. I was working on a project, too, while I was listening, and it's an embroidery piece, but uh, I think it looks like some of the ponies, because there's a a blue one, and then there's a purple one that will go with it, too. So this is what I was working on. That is beautiful. Oh, I love it when grown-ups share their work. So for my birthday, we Dominic asked, another fad pack artist, Daniel Pertiera, to draw something for me, Beatrice and Smudge, I mean, uh, Furball, because Furball is loosely modeled after our cat. And I identify with Beatrice, and I I really love our cat, Jack. And I like it because Beatrice looks so, so fierce, but loving, which is exactly how I picture her. When I noticed a painting of Beatrice and Furball, Furball looked a lot like Roger, our cat. It sounds like our cat Jack and your cat Roger might have some things in common. 
Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fadpack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic, Graceland, and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time.